Welcome to the Everyone Has a Story podcast presented by the Business and Education Alliance, where students' talents, interests, and aptitudes can be connected to the dynamic world of work. Hello, everybody. This is Bob Gimignani with Business and Education Alliance with another installment of career interviews with a local professional. Today we have with us Chris Deppa. He's a defense cyber operations subject matter expert with ENSCO. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for being here with us today and volunteering some of your time to speak into the lives of the next generation workforce. Thank you, it's an honor to be here. Yeah, so let's get right into it, Chris. Um, think back many, many years ago uh, as a middle school or high school student, did you have any idea at that part of your life what you wanted to do for a job when you grew up? Um, well, yeah, to be honest, like at the time I was uh, pursuing a gaming career um, and I had no clue what I wanted to do. I, I thought I would end up in sales like my father uh, doing technical sales. Um, and I actually happened to be at a, uh, a million man land participating in a gaming tournament and I ran into a guy that worked for the Central Intelligence Agency, and he was a big cybersecurity hacker. Um, and just two days sitting there with that guy, um, uh, I, I kind of decided when I got home, like, hey, that's something I want to do. Uh, and I had talked to my father. And uh, when I completed uh, high school, uh, I, I started to pursue that by going to college and trying to get jobs in the industry wherever I could. Excellent. So uh, this was sort of an informal career exploratory opportunity as part of an activity that you were involved in. Part of the, the desired outcome of this interview with you sharing your experience uh, is to help students, uh, help inform students about how they can uh, learn about different types of careers, right? So, um, there's, there's research that indicates that students' career interests are directly related to their exposure to careers, meaning that we all don't know what we don't know, right? So up until you went to this gaming competition, you, it doesn't sound like you were necessarily aware of this type of, a, of an occupation, right? Uh, not at all. I mean, uh, I obviously had watched the stuff through pop culture. Um, I, I really didn't understand it. I mean, I was a semi-computer guy, obviously, uh, doing the gaming thing, but I never really thought about it as a career. Uh, and then having talked to this guy um, just for a couple of days, and, and basically he said he turned that entire thing into a career, and I was like, interesting. And then he told me what he made, and I kind of stared at him like, okay, I need to look into this. Um, <laughs> and and like I always being like the nerdy guy, like wanting to mess around with computers, it really scratched that itch. And, and as I learned more and more about it, it, it just became the, the thing I ended up doing for, for my career. Right. So not only were, uh, did it seem that this career at that point in your life, that it was a good fit for the, for your nerdy self, as you said, um, but also a financially rewarding career. Yes. Um, in my wildest dreams, uh, did I think I would be living the life I'd be living today by pursuing this? Uh, no, and, and honestly, I'm very comfortable and, and I'm blessed with the people I get to work with every day. Excellent, Chris. And, and ENSCO and, and you and your associates there have been 
amazing supporter, uh, sponsoring career exploration and training opportunities for students. So thank you very much for your partnership. So Chris, what was your, uh, what was your first ever paid job? Well, my first paid job, uh, other than obviously the gaming thing, I, I guess most most parents wouldn't think that was really a paid job, but <laughs> my real, my first real adult job, I went to work for uh, IBM in Boulder, Colorado, and I did uh, help desk, um, which uh, basically taught me not only more technical things, but actually just how to be comfortable with talking to people. Um, I definitely encourage younger generations that. Um, uh, most of us, especially technical people, are introverts. So if they could, if they can get into a place where you're talking to people all the time, uh, it really kind of expands that. I'm still an introvert, but I, I definitely can talk to people as well. I would have never guessed that about you, Chris. <laughs> you, you carry yourself extremely well for a nerdy introvert. Chris, when you were in, um, in high school, were there, was there any programming available for you uh, similar to what the Pikes Peak Business of Education Alliance is trying to bring to high schools? Uh, experiential learning opportunities like uh, site tours to local facilities or job shadows or informational interviews, internships, were those available to you as a high school student? And if so, did you take advantage of those opportunities? Uh, well, being, having been a high school student, I, I graduated in 2001. Um, there was only a handful of, of computer classes at all. There was uh, learn how to type, uh, and there was a basic programming class uh, in the programming language basis. And so other than those two classes, there was really no exposure. Um, this, uh, just talking to uh, the, like the school counselors uh, really had no interest in, in talking to industry, bringing industry in. Um, it never even occurred to me to ask them. Uh, we had the standard like uh, thing from the 70s where you filled out a bunch of questions and it would output, this is what we think you should do. And uh, basically, my top two hits were I should become an air traffic controller or a manager of a hotel. And I remember sitting there going, well, this is worthless because that sounds awful. <laughs> and um, uh. and uh, basically, that caused me to just dive back into my, my gaming career and, and try to push that as far as I could. Uh, and then uh, I, I really lucked out finding that like three-day mentor. Uh, really walked me through, hey, this is what you could do. These are the things that are the places you could go. Um, and, and I basically now being introduced to your program, I was like, man, I, if I can go do this for other kids, make them understand that there, there is stuff out of the, uh, outside of the realm of maybe just uh, doing retail jobs or uh, digging ditches or something like that. And you can, you can really scratch the itch of things that, that are fun to you. Um, then maybe a job isn't a job and it's something you actually enjoy to do. That's awesome. And Chris, I know being in the school systems now for a few years, there are a, a lots of students who are very interested in gaming and game design. Um, so uh, for this next question, if you could try to sprinkle in some experience on that topic, um, like game design is, um, you know, there's clearly careers available in game design, right? Um, yes. However, it's not as high demand an occupation as cybersecurity is. 
um, there's a huge uh, talent capacity gap in cybersecurity, much more prevalent than in game design. So trying to help inform that process of connecting students' talents, interests, and aptitudes to the economic landscape, meaning where are the you know, highest demanded jobs, where are the reward, financially rewarding jobs, where can you plug your talents and interests and aptitudes into something that will lead to a you know, solid middle-class career, right? So uh, tell us how you went from you know, this, the high school student uh, to getting this sort of informal mentorship. Uh, and take us through your journey, um, the, the education that you received, the work experience that you accumulated that has brought you to your current role today. Again, out of, out of high school, I, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't have any of that guidance at all. Um, having attended those, those gaming conventions, it, it led me to that. And then ultimately I went to a uh, technical university. Um, it actually no longer exists anymore, uh, but that's a, that's a different story. I went to ITT tech, uh, and it was really one of those things that you get out of it, what you put into it. And it was probably, uh, the most engaging four years of my life. Um, I, I was working at a smaller company, uh, named, uh, Lockheed Martin. Uh, I was uh, doing, um, I was supporting their aeronautics and space divisions, uh, mainly doing uh, technical support and priority management for um, the Joint Strike Fighter. And that was basically my first dive into uh, the DoD and uh, just being within those, uh, those confines and, and talking to people and obviously learning more and more technical stuff. Um, it added to what I was doing at school and it really reinforced, hey, this is where I can go. After that, uh, I tried to get into the cybersecurity in industry and, and at the time it was really in its infancy. Uh, almost everyone that I spoke to basically said, you don't have enough experience for entry level positions. Um, so I definitely carry that with me going forward and I do my best to, to try to help those, uh, those people. Um, but again, that's a different story. Uh, but from the perspective of from there, uh, because I couldn't really cut into the, the cybersecurity industry, I pursued a job at uh, Sun Microsystems uh, doing uh, storage interoperability testing. And I really learned from, from that just a, a full range of uh, technical skills from uh, multiple different operating systems, storage. We worked with CERN. Uh, any any number of, of things that you could imagine that might be in a technical lab, we had the opportunity to mess with, and it, it was literally like sink or swim. You just had to figure it out. Um, I definitely contribute that to a lot of my uh, just deep technical understanding of how systems connect. Um, and then uh, a guy by the name of Larry Ellison and Oracle came through and, um, uh, and acquired Sun Microsystems, and uh, I was laid off. Um, and that was around, uh, the 2010 timeframe. And, uh, I really didn't know where I was going to go. I really didn't understand. And we also asked those questions during interviews as well as, Hey, what are you interested in? Uh, but I really started in that, in that, in that 10 year time understanding like, okay, maybe this is why they told me I didn't have enough experience. Uh, and I tried to get as many of those things as I could. So I went out and got a security plus, a CEH, certified pen tester, certified ethical hacker, um, uh, certified information system security manager, et cetera. Um, and I'm also eyeing a, a few more right now. 
so the education never really stopped and my my need to understand how things work and uh and and whatnot never really stopped and and that kind of led me to um i felt like i i i at the at the missile defense agency i got to the end of my uh, my time there, I'd served and I wanted to go give back to industry, uh, having been that government guy. And I decided to go work for ENSCO uh, that would actually help other government agencies and uh, companies, et cetera, go configure and increase their security posture. And that's kind of where I what led me here today. That's a, a pretty cool journey. And it sounds like throughout, you know, with, with a lot of the career professionals that we're talking to, Chris, there's general themes um, to that, that help enhance success over time. Um, one of them is being like hyper aware of the opportunities around you um, to learn from other people, even people that might be reporting to you, um, to benefit from the experience of others in your environment um, that may have more exposure than I do, that may have better skills than I do. There's a curiosity there, there's a persistence there's hard work uh, and there's progression. You, you continued to stack certifications as you went through the Missile Defense Agency to better qualify yourself. So really, really cool stuff. Chris, what was the biggest single challenge you think you have faced in your career and how did you overcome that? The biggest challenge I've ever faced within my career, every day, uh, the the pride in in that was was evident uh as well as it was stressful basically take all of that in and understand like okay um the lives and, and the networks and the responsibility that i was taking on it in my 20s and now i'm here in my starting to be in my late 30s was an was an interesting was an interesting thing it, as well as like because cybersecurity was so was such a new thing when we started there was, there was no real understanding of like how do you go build these programs? How do you go? How do you go interface these teams with IT? How do you go interface these teams with legal? And in my case, within the DoD, counterintelligence, right? The, the the real law enforcement guys, um, and basically interfacing with all those people was very difficult. I mean, as I said, I was an introvert, so um, it it really was like every day was get up and scare yourself uh, until eventually it just became an everyday thing. Um, but the things that I was able to go accomplish with, without going into detail, uh, obviously due to classification, um, was probably the most rewarding time I've I had in my life and I will have those memories forever. Uh, and I would encourage anybody um, that gets into this field to to do a tour duty either either in the military or even government service or supporting a government contract um, because the you'll be just exposed to far more than you might nece not or necessarily be introduced to in the normal environments right chris um what would you say to your teenage self knowing what you know today there's always time to play uh don't stress about the small things and, and, and listen to others around you. I, I can't thank enough the, the mentors that I was able to, to acquire over the years, and I still call on, on them today. Um, I really, really wish I knew uh, basically those pathways to go, hey, there's actually people out there that are willing to help you build a career because they understand. 
um, where a lot of this stuff I was doing on my own, just trying to figure it out, feel it out, et cetera. So definitely if, if there's students listening to this and uh, they can find those mentors, ask as many questions. Um, if, if we're willing to be mentors, we're willing to answer whatever you, you have to ask. So from that perspective, yeah, I mean, that's really the big one is listen. It might not be the cool thing, but sometimes listen to your elders. <laughs> that's right. And, you know, this interview and all the other interviews that we're doing and making these available to classrooms and students, many of the professionals that are being interviewed uh, have basically opened themselves up to be a mentor um, in a one-on-one -on -one environment like you have, Chris. So uh, we, we always appreciate that. And our program it makes it easy for students to connect with one-on-one uh, -on -one mentors in various types of occupations that they might be interested in. So we're really grateful to, to be part of this uh, ecosystem where young people can connect with you know, seasoned professionals like yourself uh, to gain some experience and, and to have some access to that, uh, you know, for, for the professionals to speak into their life. So, Chris, mm -hmm. um, tell us a little bit about ENSCO. Um, what does your business do? What's your mission? And who are the customers that you serve? Uh, well, we do do stuff in weather, um, but predominantly they're an engineering company and they want a contract out here in the DOD to help support uh, engineering and within that, 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 uh, brought along cybersecurity. So they started to put together a team for that. Uh, so our company, uh, since that, that occurred about two years ago, has also been expanding into the cybersecurity realm. Uh, but overall we're uh, basically an aerospace, um, engineering division. Uh, never did I think I would be sitting in a career after 10 years, having, having done basically nothing but space or, or space related things or aerospace related things. Uh, and, and here I am with ENSCO and uh, it, it's just been a great, a great experience. Uh, there's only about um, 600 of us. So we're a small company. Uh, we're spread out across the country from uh, from the West Coast to the East Coast, with a uh, with my primary division being headquartered out of Cocoa Beach, um, which if any of them are listening, I, I don't get to go there enough and hang out. But yeah, it's it's one of those run of the mill th uh, companies. But from uh, but what really makes us different is that we're small and family oriented. Um, I've had the opportunity to work for for big companies uh, as I, as I've stated before and. Uh, having this small environment, I highly encourage uh, people to take interest in as, as well. Um, because uh, th there's nothing like showing up and being able to, to talk to board members, being able to talk to uh, your upper management and, and really feeling like you have a place. Uh -huh. um, but that's what I think really makes ENSCO great um, is that we have that tight net family feel uh, and, and it's easier to do things. It's not like uh, I'm, I'm turning uh, a really slow moving ship. Uh, things are able to go execute pretty quick. Chris, um, trying to help students understand the, the different types of occupations that are out there for them to connect their talents, interests and aptitudes with. Uh, I always use the example of, you know, if, if, a, if a young student and a parent's driving by a hospital 
and you ask them, hey, what kind of people work in that hospital? Uh, the first two things that would come to mind for me and most people, I think, would be doctors and nurses, right? Um, so, but there's hundreds of different occupations that work in a hospital beyond doctors and nurses. So tell mm -hmm. us about ENSCO. Um, aside from cybersecurity people like you, um, what are some of the other occupations that work at ENSCO? Well, other than obviously all of our titles have engineer on it, so it's going to be some type of variation of engineer. Um, but we have uh, system test engineers, um, IT engineers. Uh, so uh, the system test engineers basically look at uh, how systems work and then make sure that those systems communicate correctly. Uh, you got your IT engineers where they're going through and they're, they're basically building the systems that those, those guys test. Um, we're, we also have uh, uh, general engineers which go through and um, build new technology and uh, like systems and sensors. Um, we did a, uh, a weather sensor, for example, um, or a barometric pressure sensor so that we could detect if, uh, if people were in vehicles because the pressure changed. Um, lots of positions like that. Um, obviously, you have your, your HR positions like every other, other company. Uh, but yeah, we're pretty unique and like, we're just full of, of people that, uh, that create things. And then we test those things and we field them for our, uh, for our organizations. Um, oh, and, and obviously software engineers, because we have to put software on those, on those systems as well. So we create custom software. Um, and we end up working with all of those people. And then that gets you well-rounded in, in, in what those engineers do as well. Um, but yeah, I think the most interesting people that I've run into uh, outside of that, those engineer things are, are uh, with an ENSCO is uh, our weather guys. Um, ENSCO hired for, the, I guess, the lack of a better term, wet weathermen uh, to help us go engineer uh, weather-based products. Um, there's a lot of aerospace implications uh, with that. Um, but just talking to those guys, it, it's definitely different because it's it's different from just your standard engineer. So we we have definitely a range of people at our company. Um, yeah, I think that's all I can say about that. Yeah, excellent. So all flavors of engineer and business occupations. It sounds like right. Yes. Okay, Chris, what uh, how would you say that? What does the career ladder look like for somebody? in your role or occupation. Um, so, you know, there's entry level, there's, you know, and then we can move into management roles or project directors or what, whatever that looks like. Is there sort of an identifiable career ladder for somebody entering um, a cybersecurity career like you have? Normally they start with, obviously they're completing high school. Um, there are ways to get into this field right out of high school by getting, um, uh, certifications like A plus, Network plus, or Security plus. Um, we highly encourage uh, students to to go be more well rounded, um, and 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 go to college. Uh, just from the perspective of you're going to learn a lot of different IT things that you would need uh, to know uh, uh, to be able to defend them. So, um, from that perspective, uh, if you are a college-bound student, I would highly encourage you 
in, in uh, your freshman year to pursue during the summer an internship and then try to continue that through uh, your career. Uh, doesn't have to be with the same place, maybe bounce around um, and, and basically build out that resume. Um, but ideally around your, your junior or senior year, find the company that you'd want an internship with, that you, you want to turn into a long-term thing. Uh, and start there. Um, yes, degrees are expensive. Yes, certifications can be expensive, but working with those companies, if they believe that uh, you're doing good work for them, um, uh, they'd be willing to fund some of that stuff. Um, so that's that's kind of where I see the entry level as being the, 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 the basically those two methods. Um, now, once you're actually starting there and you're a, a junior or moving up to your, your mid-level career, uh, you're going to want to start to focus. And there there's several areas. You could be auditors. Uh, you could be uh, network defenders. Um, you could be the everyday uh, hacker or penetration tester, as, as we call it. Um, uh, and, and there's different there's different certifications for that. And basically it would be uh, what you've chosen in the, the career, cybersecurity career that you want to go into. I would start to focus on building those skill sets and then really building your community. Uh, the more of those like-minded individuals you share yourself with and you just get more skills. Um, it is possible to be a senior level person and not having to manage anybody. Um, it's definitely preferred that within our field that you, you have a lot of experience in cybersecurity. So, you know, when, um, someone highly technical is actually being truthful with you. Uh, it, it also helps, um, from the perspective of interfacing with customers, being able to not only take something highly technical, um, but, um, and, and then basically be able to explain it to a person that's not technical. So when you move into those areas, uh, another, another pathway that individuals could take when they get to that junior or mid-level range is also get into uh, what we call business development. And that's helping companies win cybersecurity work. Um, so that would be interfacing with customers, et cetera. As far as uh, once you get to that senior level, we consider in the cybersecurity industry, that's about five to 10 years in. So at this point, you'll probably have a minimum of a, a bachelor's degree and probably three certifications and then, and then your time in. Um, from that point forward, you probably will be pro approached for management positions, leading teams, uh, maybe even leading programs. Um, we're very, very small, tight-knit groups. So uh, uh, cybersecurity in general doesn't have that many people. And that's why we're obviously, uh, I'm here talking with Bob to try to encourage people to, to, to get into this. Um, well, that's kind of what your, your, your senior level looks like. Um, I guess none of this really sounds all that glorious or, or maybe interesting, but obviously as you're progressing through your career, there's obviously more financial incentive to become smarter. Um, so <laughs> I, I would, <laughs> I would definitely uh, uh, encourage those that are continuously educating to uh, take advantage of those those opportunities at your um, at your employers or 
or even at your colleges if they're offering any free opportunities. Uh, never leave free money on the table. Uh, if they're offering you this much training budget a year, utilize that much training budget a year. Chris, thank you so much for uh, sharing your career story. Yeah, so this uh, part two of the interview is very much uh, targeted at your current role um, with ENSCO. So can you kind of just walk us through what the typical day in the life looks like for you from uh, the beginning of your shift to the end of your shift? What does that look like for you? Oh, man, that's a... That's a really good question, especially in this time of COVID. So I'll give you like a, a general rundown. I, I mean, uh, in, my current, in my current job, yeah, I, I do have like the, the standard eight-hour shift, um, come in and, and, and meet individuals, et cetera. That's like the normal office-sounding job, right? Uh, but from the perspective of the cool things I get to do, um, I get to work on defensive um, cyber operations projects. Uh, I, I'm working with a team right now to go build a, a penetration testing um, program. Uh, so every day we're kind of like pushing the envelope on uh, on the development development of new things um, that will that will ultimately go do a good service for other people and and make us money. Um, but ultimately, that's the, that's kind of the the, the, the daily gist is uh, not e every day is going to be the same. Um, the projects are constantly evolving. So uh, I, I happen to be in an area where things are pretty flexible. Um, I don't have to uh, necessarily worry about like, oh, am I going to work on the same project for, uh, for, for the rest of my career here? That's not the case. Um, uh, we come in at, at specific intervals and and go, okay, well, the IT guys have done are done or are doing this type of engineering. This is how we have to secure it. Um, and then there's the government interaction where we kind of give them updates. Uh, we let them uh, basically come to decision points uh, and then we press forward based on their direction. So uh, being in the cybersecurity realm versus like the standard day job and I've had day jobs before it, it's a it's a completely different world uh, if you like to solve puzzles and and you like ever changing um, problem sets then cybersecurity is the place for you to be Chris what actions did you take to qualify yourself for your current job sometimes I I have like imposter syndrome where I don't believe I know enough to do the job and Every day, working with with people, they uh, they reinforce that no, the things that I, I did to, to to get here were were correct. Um, ultimately, what what I did is I, I just kept an open mind and I, I searched for uh, that 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 education um, and and really within this industry, we're not allowed to. To, to stay stagnant. Um, technology changes every three to six months. Um, so I find myself constantly listening to podcasts uh, when it comes to cybersecurity. Um, I, I review the internet to see what's going on uh, outside of the general career stuff that we've already talked about, uh, the weird pathway I took to get here. Did I ever f feel like I was qualified to to do everything I was doing? Maybe not. People had faith in me and, and I just 
press forward. I, I, I had to stay driven and I encourage uh, students that find what drives you and um, and that's what that's the most important thing continue to educate and and to keep moving forward. Chris can you suggest ways for a high school student to gain some exposure and or training and experience in to uh, in your field what, what would that look like for them? It's kind of a, a shout out to uh, uh, one of my mentors Sean Murray uh, Dr. Sean Murray actually uh, he holds a um, every Friday, a first Friday event. Uh, and it basically brings a cyber secu security community uh, together in Colorado Springs. As far as technical things that, that kids could be doing, if you have the resources and the means uh, at home with, with computers, start playing with them. Uh, one of the greatest resources that, that I have and I still utilize today is YouTube. Um, if I want to go learn about a specific tool set or I want to learn about how a particular attack worked, um, I'll go see a hacker who's recorded it and put it out there on the internet. Um, other main, main resources, uh, and, and we basically call it Mecca, is there's a, a, a convention in Las Vegas, and obviously parents would want to attend this, it's Vegas, uh, but uh, there is a Black Hat and DEF CON convention, and it's all themed around hacking and, and security implementation and, and all those other things. Um, but that's, that, like, that is probably the fastest way uh, to really understand, is this something I want to do? Is just to go to one of those things. If you're intrigued while you're there, it's kind of like going to Disneyland. If you don't like if you went to Disneyland, you don't like rides and you don't like Disney, you're miserable. You're going to know it. Well, if you go to one of these things and you're not intrigued, you're quickly going to understand that this isn't for you. But if you are, then you have all the resources in the world uh, to be able to attend. And at a thing like DEF CON, they actually have um, these booths and you can go learn about uh, uh, like lock picking or wireless intrusion or uh, web application testing or coding or artificial intelligence, uh, biohacking, which is stuff like pacemakers and things associated with uh, the health industry. And, and I, I could probably go on for a long time, but either, either way, um, the ability to sit down at those booths and just understand from a person that is solely there to get you interested in what they love to do, you'll, you'll never have that experience anywhere else on the planet. And DEF CON offers that. And you'll literally have a person like you, you uh, I, I went over to the first time uh, to the lock picking booth and I started talking to a person. I ended up buying my own lock picks. I didn't think I would be into lock picking. And then I picked up a new hobby. Um, but it's it's one of those those things. Those are the those are the things I would highly encourage uh, kids to start thinking about. Um, Black Hat's going to be a little bit more expensive. It's more towards industry, but DefCon is definitely the the grassroots type hacker movement type thing. Um, and that's the resources I would go with that. And then again, just generally at home, if you have uh, a couple computers at home. 
uh, try to network them together. If you have friends that are also interested in this, try to network them together and, and mess around with those things. Uh, there are also things uh, around uh, Colorado Springs as you increase in your, uh, your hacker skills uh, called Capture the Flag events, where you basically go up against other hackers to try to take over network space uh, for, for prizes and, and street, street cred. Uh, they also do one at the Broadmoor every year at the Cyber uh, Space Symposium. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the direction I would take. I would encourage uh, them to look at those things and obviously use all the internet resources. We live in a, a amazing age of being able to just to go learn everything you can about any given topic uh, at the touch of an internet. Yeah, and in addition to uh, the opportunities that Chris has mentioned, there's uh, other great opportunities available in our school systems. Um, in, in high school, there's career technical education programming available um, that has cybersecurity curriculum tied to it, has computer science curriculum tied to it. Um, there are career tech technical student organizations. Uh, one of those is Cyber Patriot. Uh, where students actually get to compete at a local, state, and national level um, through through Cyber Patriot to help hone their hacking skills and their defense skills. And then last but not least, um, uh, Spark Mindset and the National Cybersecurity Center both host cybersecurity camps. Uh, some are free, some do have a cost to them, uh, but these are great, not just exposure to careers, but some actual training and learning outcomes that are embedded in all of these opportunities. So there's great opportunities in cybersecurity uh, for students in high school to gain experience. Chris, uh, what do you like most about your current job? For me right now, it's the flexibility and, and, and back to the original thing I was talking about, the, the puzzles. Every day is different. So it doesn't feel like I ever get stagnant. I always have something uh, to learn. Um, being in the, in the COVID realm, I don't have much social interaction, so I'd like that to return. Um, but other than that, that that's that's what I really like about my job is is uh, it, it doesn't feel repetitive. It doesn't feel like I'm I'm sitting here punching a clock. I'm I actually get to feel like uh, I'm doing something rather than being present. Yeah, that's a, that's a rewarding feeling. Mm -hmm. um, what do you like most about working for ENSCO, Chris? ENSCO has been great in terms of all, all the missions that they are. Obviously, that, that small family feeling that we've been talking to or talking about. Um, the, what's really cool is obviously the mission I, I get to go work on. Um, I support the launch test ranges uh, and the satellite communications networks for the Air Force slash Space Force. So uh, we get to go sit there and when SpaceX goes and launches something off the ranges, technically we took part in making sure they were secure um, because they're trying to go launch like off their, those pads like once every hour. It's, it's, it's crazy what they're trying to get to, and, and, and we're, we're basically going through the processes of building uh, the range of the future. So I get to use all the skill sets that I've learned over um, 
a, a decade plus to, uh, at ENSCO. Um, and then I have the support of, of all my team. Um, that's probably been the greatest thing. So uh, knowing that, you know, work and career can't be all rainbows and butterflies, Chris. <laughs> it's definitely not. Yeah. Uh, can you share with uh, our audience uh, maybe what is the, um, the biggest thing you don't like about your job um, or your role? Well, in my current role, it's kind of like puppies, rainbows, and lollipops right now. But in my, my previous role doing the government thing, it became very stressful. I, I, I put the, the responsibility of the 35 people underneath me on my shoulder as, and uh, the national security implications. And I let the stress get to me. Um, I actually started to, to or I, when I started at the, the agency, I, I wore a Nintendo lanyard because it was the first thing I put on in the morning and the last thing I took off at the end of the day. And, uh, and it was always to remind me of, of where I came from and that I could always de-stress at the end of the day. And, and, and towards the end of that, it, it, uh, the, the job just started to eat, eat me up. Like, uh, it, it, the stress was just overwhelming. Uh, and so, uh, I moved on from that and, and, and I figured out how to cope with it, but, uh, it was definitely one of those things that if you, if you are experiencing that, talk to people. Uh, there are people willing to help you out, whether it's uh, staying within your current position or uh, moving on to some, some greener pastures, because obviously not every job is going to be the greatest job you'll ever have. Uh, although I do, do say often I had the best job in the Missile Defense Agency. Um, but after a certain time, it, it was no longer my time, and, and I handed those reins off to somebody else. Uh, but yeah, with my current job, I really have no complaints. Uh, if, if, uh, if I was asked, I'd be like, no, things are great. Um, but just rest assured that the first job you have is not going to be your last job. Um, and always have something to do, always, always be growing, trying to turn that into positive. Yeah. And of course, uh, as you move through your career um, and you uh, demonstrate proficiencies and aptitudes and, and all that, of course, uh, our host employers are going to um, try to volunteer us for management opportunities, right? But in my experience and in a lot of the interviews we've talked about, um, not everybody is necessarily cut out for management. Um, there, there are learned skills and aptitudes that go with leading people. Um, I know a lot of great talented individuals in your industry that have learned um, that management's not for them and, and there's a role um, for them to not manage people. There's, there's other roles that folks that don't have that aptitude or proficiency uh, can still serve in an organization, right? Yes. Um... Uh, I've definitely in, in my, in my years have, have encountered managers that are really a result of the Peterman principle where they were, they did such a great job and they were, they were promoted into a position that they were in charge and they weren't doing the things that they loved. And, um, yeah, I'll just say it, they became like a tyrant, right? Um, uh, and, 
they weren't great leaders. They they were never there for for the group. They were always there for themselves. So you'll run into that. Um, and and from the perspective of self reflection, you need to understand if that's something that you want to do. If you want to uh, be mentors to other people or take that responsibility head on. Chris, does uh, ENSCO have any type of uh, continuing education reimbursement program, uh, financial incentives for employees to continue their education? And if so, have you taken advantage of that? Oh, yes. I take advantage of that um, every year. Uh, for I, I've been with ENSCO for two years. Um, for our continuing education in terms of um, training, we have to submit for individual like certifications for uh, the classes and then they pay for those. And then uh, in terms of tests, we have to pay for tests, but then they do reimbursement if you pass. Um, ENSCO also has a really good program for uh, getting your degree. So they offer up to, uh, I think it's, 8,000 something uh, roughly a, a year and the years because it's the way fiscal years are the years actually broken up into two parts. So technically that's 16,000 in a normal year, uh, which is pretty good. Um, so uh, there's that. And it also then increases like if you're trying to go get your doctorate as well. So my current corporation fully, fully supports continuing education, um, making sure people have the correct degrees and what their their interests are, that obviously then supports the company, um, as well as they, they, they try to get us to, uh, to go travel for conventions, to go learn those things and do customer interactions as well. Chris, talking to a high school student right now watching this that's interested in cybersecurity, secure, being a security analyst as a, as a job, um, what would you tell this high school student about the technical skills and the soft or essential skills that they should be working on accumulating uh, as they move through their high school and, and uh, post-secondary or uh, career work? Technical skills being, you know, computer literacy, proficiency, soft skills, mm -hmm. teamwork, leadership, uh, communication. Uh, what, what would you suggest to a high school student at this point? So for the technical skills, I would try to be as well-rounded as you can. Um, that means messing around with different operating systems, maybe a programming language, although I know programming isn't for everybody. I know I'm not great at it. Um, uh, really understanding uh, how systems network, um, understanding uh, really the basics. Uh, we're not going to penalize uh, a person that is definitely interested in this field and trying to get in. Um, I always say that when I'm bringing an intern in, I, I'm looking for uh, a person that, that takes interest, is driven, and, and really is, has the soft skills. And those soft skills are, uh, do they present well? Uh, when I ask them a question, do I feel like they were honest with me? Um, do, uh, do they write well? Do they speak well? Uh, do they dress well, right? Because uh, we have to put 
uh, if you're accompanying with us, uh, you're going to have to be in, in rooms with other customers. Um, so I would encourage a high school to work, a high schooler to work on those soft skills and, and then take a general interest in, in all things IT and, and cybersecurity related. And once you get in here, people like me will make you dangerous. <laughs> That's awesome. Chris, what do you do in your free time? Um, I still, uh, I still game. Um, I also have a, uh, five-year-old son. Um, so he, he's now a, a budding gamer, uh, picking up Nintendo and whatnot. Um, I also occasionally get out and play golf. That that's kind of like the gist of, gist of my life. I'm like the every, everyday guy. I'm like, I'll talk to you about games, sports, it, it it doesn't matter. Um, that's kind of what our industry is like is it's just, uh, we all are come from different walks of life, but we, we enjoy this as a passion. That's really cool. Um, so Chris, last question, what do you want to be when you grow up now? Oh man. Um, I would eventually like to say I've earned a million dollars. Uh, or a billion dollars, that, that would be pretty awesome and just be an entrepreneur of some type. But um, no, the, the, the reality is, is when I grow up, I, I think I, I wanna be a grandfather like, like my, my father uh, and eventually I'll get there. Uh, but as far as my career, uh, I'm not looking that far ahead. I'm just taking it as it goes. Um, maybe I'll end up being a, a, a vice president or a president one day of, uh, of Ensco or another company, maybe even my own. Um, but I'm really just taking it one step at a time. And that's great. That's great advice. And uh, I think, um, you know, what you just said also points to the, um, the opportunities for people in your industry to either move up a career ladder with a company like Ensco or uh, to you know move into an entrepreneurial direction and start their own firm, uh, fill a niche um, that needs to be filled uh, and work with these other companies. So Chris, thank you so much for sharing your career story today. Thank you for tuning in to the Everyone Has a Story podcast. We hope the experience shared today in the career story and informational interview may benefit you as you make educational and career choices. If you would like to learn more about the Business and Education Alliance and how we are working with education and industry to connect students' talents, interests, and aptitudes to the world of work, please go to businessandeducationalliance.org.